Welcome back to the Spectrum Dad podcast. I'm your host, Fred Marvel. Today, I I have the pleasure of speaking with uh, BCBA. Her name is Jen Harris. Jen, how's it going? It's going good. How are you, Fred? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I just wanted to have you on today because uh, you obviously work in the autism field as a BCBA, and you also have a little guy who's three years old who is on the spectrum as well. So, uh, you know, you've got a lot of insight to offer. Yeah, I'll try my best. (laughs) So let's start with um, what led you to become a BCBA? Was it something you always wanted to do, helping out kids with special needs, or is it something you fell into? Um, I want to say it was more something I fell into when okay. I when I was in college. My uh, my first summer home, my friend had persuaded me to do some camp work um, okay. through through the arc of Somerset County, and didn't really know what it was like to work with people with developmental disabilities. So. Right kind of dove in head first with her. She had been interning at the ARC and thought it was wonderful and was like, I think that if we all did this together, it'd be a great experience. So yeah. I hopped on board. <laughs> um, my first year there, I absolutely fell in love with it. Um, I fell in love with a lot of the clients and they were they were more in the adult uh, age range where you know, okay. some of them were in group homes and then they were staying there overnight or they were commuting back and forth daily. So gotcha. working there, it was great experience. You got to really see a varying range of disabilities and really get to truly know people right. for who they are. Um, and from there, I did a lot of work um, at my college. I actually went to Temple in Philadelphia. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, um, undergrad, and was working at their academy for adult learning there, which okay. helped a lot with developmentally disabled uh, college students, helping right. them kind of navigate campus and attend classes. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I, you know, it's been. 10 plus years of just working with people um, of varying disabilities, uh, specifically more in autism. And I was one that was always with more of the behavioral uh, adults and children. Okay. So with that, you know, I kind of fell into ABA because I was like, what can I do more with myself? Because I can do I can do well with these behavioral clients and these clients that are maybe nonverbal or have additional deficits somewhere else. And how can I, how can I turn that into, how can I turn that passion into a career? Yeah. Um, So that's kind of where ABA came in. Now, do you work with like, what age range of, of, of people do you work with? Are they still older kids, older kids or young adults or little kids? So, um, I am one of the assistant clinical directors at our um, at our agency, uh, Core Behavioral Group. We actually do not age out with our clients for PBA services. So we actually go from, you know, pretty much diagnosis whenever that happens. It could be a year and a half, two years old 
up until we've had clients that are like in their fifties. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so we don't, we don't shy away from different ages. Um, and really I've kind of had experience across the board, um, with some of the younger clients and especially with my little one now <laughs> and, um, with the adults too, I have always kind of had a passion of working with the adults. Yeah. Now, do they, do you go to their homes or do they come see you? So we do in home and then we also do center based. Okay. Um, and then we sometimes do school consultation too. So sometimes we're in the schools, um, yeah, but that's a whole nother, <laughs> whole nother <laughs> yeah, now. yeah. Uh, but yeah, mostly in home and, and center based or clinic okay. based. Yeah. Now, like, like in a typical, uh, you know, a typical day, like with an autistic uh, kid in like, what kind of things are you working on with him? For, for my own son or for, no, just for in general, for, you know, okay. for your clients that come in. So for the clients that come in, it really, it really depends because everything is so individualized that everybody's different. Yeah. That no one thing is different. You know, like people say, you meet one kid with autism, you meet one kid with autism. They're, they're never the same. So really making sure that we're working on the skills, but also we work on that behavior modification too, of can they maintain these appropriate behaviors throughout their day and you know we kind of cycle in and out of clients right now with covid we are still doing in-person sessions okay even with everything going on so staff is like all protected we're trying to protect the kids as much as we possibly can um and so we're having our therapist go in because I'm the BCBA. I'm more of in the role of oversight of our therapists and making sure they're implementing behavior intervention plans to help reduce some of those like bad behaviors or maladaptive <laughs> yeah. behaviors. Um, but then we're also like constantly doing ongoing assessments to see what is the child progressing with and okay. from there, what can we build on? Um, oh, so identifying those skills and how they how they can grow from there. Yeah, that's awesome. I know we're going through it now. I'm trying to get uh, ABA services set up for my son Alex, and mm-hmm. like he was diagnosed during the you know during everything being shut down. And at first, uh, the agency that diagnosed him wasn't going to. Uh, do anything in person so you know they need to observe him before they right. can figure out like how many hours what types of services you know that whole thing right. and I'm talking I'm like how, how is this gonna work like am I supposed to just follow like film him all day well you know chase him around with a camera or something all day you know but thankfully now that things are you know knock on wood slowly getting back to normal right. a little bit they've changed and are now allowing, you know, in-person observations and then eventually in-person therapy again. So I, I know as a parent, it's probably so, (laughs) so worrisome of like this stranger is coming into my house. I have no idea where they've been. How can I even make sure that like, they're not bringing anything into my house? Oh, we actually, we actually, um, we had an, I do intakes for our company as well. Um, so like the initial person that does 
those reports to get those hours approved. And I actually did do some during COVID. And (laughs) it was much like you said, like the parents are kind of on there and like running around with their kid, trying to get them in view or flipping the camera as they're talking. So it's it's definitely an interesting world to live in right now. Yeah. And I I don't know about everybody else, but once my kids know that the camera's on them, they act completely differently. Right. Like I'd I'd have to almost set up like a system of like hidden cameras to, you know, Mm -hmm. But so like thankfully, that. you know, thankfully it sounds like it's going to work out. Yeah, I, I'm I'm hopeful that Alex will get what he needs uh, from oh, the provider. Will. Hopefully, hopefully it's not too crazy of like a wait list by you guys as far as ABA service providers. I know sometimes it's hard to always find. Yeah, I know that's where we're at now. They're waiting to uh, find somebody that will come and observe, you know, observe him in our house and, you know, around the, you know, like his everyday life and things like that. So, uh, you know, hopefully it'll, hopefully it'll come through soon. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm hoping for you guys. It always (laughs) works out. But you also, you also have uh, a three-year-old son on the spectrum, right? Yes. Okay. uh, Well, he he will be three next month. Okay. Yeah. I always forget like how how young he is still. I know I, I our our youngest just turned three August first. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, I know. I was looking at him today, like I, you know, he's not so little anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. Right, but like if if you want, like how did you notice any like red flags? Like, do you want to go through like how the process of getting him diagnosed and things? Like yeah. That? Um, so Christian started kind of showing some delays around like 16, 18 months. Um, my husband as fun. I work in the field. My husband was the one who initially was like, Hey, do you notice that he's maybe doing this and it might be a little bit of an indicator of something. And Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, he's so young. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just, you know, (laughs) you know, him being him and, you know, working in the field, I think sometimes we get blind to maybe some of those other deficits because we're we're used to seeing some what we would consider normal for us on a day to day. Yeah. Um, that I think sometimes it's hard to even recognize it in our own kids. Um, so my husband was the one who initially had mentioned something and then we had reached out to early intervention services in New Jersey. Right. Um a lovely team that we got um, came out and and did the Battelle's assessment okay. in the inventory. And we went through the process and he was deemed eligible because he had some lower functioning on some of the scores. So from there, um, we stuck with some direct instruction he was so young at that point that they didn't approve any other services and at that point we weren't sure of an autism diagnosis but we had gone through auditory tests yeah yeah, because you're like oh he's not really responding to his name as much but like maybe he doesn't hear us (laughs) and you know it's that that denial process right yeah um so with that 
we went through all those tests, they came back normal. And then we're like, okay, this is going to be something else then. And at that point, we kind of knew, okay, we're probably looking at an autism diagnosis, because we saw such an extreme, like almost disconnect socially. Um, And he wasn't speaking. Um, He still doesn't speak. Okay. So, you know, we had from there, got the autism diagnosis and I had a very a very frank conversation with our developmental pediatrician and she was essentially like he is still young we could wait on a diagnosis or Mm -hmm. we can go ahead and get him diagnosed right now and from there I was like just give him the diagnosis if that means he's going to get what he's going to get then we absolutely will move forward with that yeah um and then from there, we we got started with speech, got started with ABA, got started with OT. Um, he didn't really need PT because he climbs on everything. <laughs> His gross motor oh, is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> typical rambunctious toddler boy. Yeah. Um, loves to be thrown around and everything. Yep. Um, and roughhouse. So from yeah, so we started all of his services, and he has he has definitely made some progress and has done well um but we still holding out hope for for some of that speech to come oh Um, yeah and I know my my husband is definitely holding out hope for that as well so yeah well I mean it's definitely been a journey there's so many different like ways with the pecs and the different devices out there too that help them along you know absolutely um now like I know with Alex, like just waiting for all these appointments, like it took forever. Uh, as we didn't suspect anything until he was three years old, right. and waiting for the developmental pediatrician appointments and then the neuroevaluations oh, and everything like that, it, just, it, it takes forever. Yeah, How, you're not that far away in Jersey. Is it different? Did you have to wait long? <clears throat> So I would say that for EI um, or early intervention, it it was a very quick process yeah. to get those services kind of up and running. Yes, um, with us. Yeah, and then for neurodevelopmental PED, um, ours actually wasn't terribly bad. It was probably a good like three month wait. Oh wow, that's um, quick. Yeah, that's that's like nothing compared to some of the others. Yeah, because like we okay. went through a children's hospital in Philly. Yes. And yeah. when I called them initially, they gave us a, a year wait. Uh, right. To get that and, first and of course, and of course, CHOP is like the the big one, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I know. Like, you know, we're, we're a CHOP because he's got asthma and he had to oh, follow, uh, see an ophthalmologist too, so we're we're familiar with chop. But luckily for us, they like it must have been like six to nine months later. Somebody canceled at the last minute, so they called us late in the afternoon and like, "Hey, we have an opening tomorrow." So like, "All right, we'll take it." Yeah, you know, I, it's a it's a that's to me that's one of the most frustrating parts is waiting for all these appointments and you know. It's just it, it, I I don't have the patience for it. Yeah, and of course, as you're like 
it's almost like that impending doom, right? Like, you know that it's going to be coming because yes. there's nothing else it could possibly be. Right. So it's it's like you're sitting in that limbo period until you get that news, even though you know it's probably coming. Yeah. And that's, that's the most anxiety-ridden feeling that oh. you could potentially have. Absolutely. Because uh, we're going through that now with waiting for ABA to start because, like, all right, if he needs, you know – you know, however many hours of therapy, whatever he needs, like, I want to, I want to get it started now. I don't want to have to wait, you know, for everybody to get their act. Like, let's go, let's get it started. Yeah. And I think, I think the worst parts about it, um, like when we were going through that period of, you know, getting the, like we had Christian go for an ABR test, which is like, what's that? So it's an auditory brainstem response. So it's basically, it's part of an auditory test where they essentially input sound and they test the brainstem to see if there's a, like a response for hearing that stimuli that's, that's provided. Gotcha. So making sure that there's like, he's not deaf or he doesn't have any hearing difficulties. Yeah. So as a parent, I remember going through that with my husband and like they were putting him under anesthesia and it was just terrible to like watch him struggle with them sticking needles. And oh then, God, I know that was the worst. Oh gosh. Yes. And then, and then as a parent, like I also, I almost felt guilty because I was like, I hope this is just a hearing thing. Like yeah. I hope that it's something with his hearing because I'm not sure I'll be able to manage anything else like in oh, addition no, you to go, that you go through like so many different emotions like you're con- oh, yeah. convinced it's autism then you kind of talk yourself well maybe not maybe it's a you know maybe, and then like you go back and forth between five million different things it's it's and, a, you know and I remember having a conversation with my husband too of just like it, like with him I you know we had a lot of conversations about autism and it being the the diagnosis and I said I said to him like very blunt I was like yes but like I deal with this on the daily to come home and have to deal with it is going to be a whole nother ball game yeah and you don't get a break it's your son right so it was definitely definitely a mindset I had to overcome and like just change a lot of who I was and how I managed things Mm -hmm. so I wouldn't show that to my son and I wouldn't show that to my clients right of that like frustration or overwhelm or or whatever it may be yeah oh absolutely absolutely I mean that's the toughest like our our mindset completely changed too you go from like once you know I mean my wife and I were both pretty laid back but when it comes to like his therapy and advocating and stuff like that, it's like, you know, you kind of have to flip that switch and go like, you know, we had to go like type a, like, you know, whatever he needs, we're going to do it. We're going to do it when you're not around. Tell us what we can do when. And you almost got to be like a hammer. (laughs) (laughs) Making sure that you're getting him what he needs. No, absolutely. Because the the pain in the ass is nobody really advertises like, oh, well, you know, now you can do this or that. Or here's your options. It's kind of like figure it out as you go. Yeah. 
definitely not easy to be a parent for a kid on the spectrum. No, but like <laughs> I, I've said before, it's so rewarding. Like you'll yeah. see as he gets older, and you've even said it a little bit, like with all his accomplishments, like, you know, you learn to like celebrate them a little more. And, you know, some of the things that don't seem that big, you know, are re- you really change your mindset and they become big. Right. You know, like I, I remember with Alex getting him to like ride a bike was a chore and a half. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it just, <laughs> but once he took off, like he was fine with his training wheels, but getting him to balance on the bike with two wheels, it, it was, uh, I think it took us about a year and a half. But once he finally got it, it was, wow. oh, you know, he, those are the, those are the things that like with, neurotypical kids like something you kind of take for granted but you know absolutely with 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 these kids it's like oh that's a big you know that's a big deal yeah it's yeah you definitely start to love their idiosyncrasies and all that (laughs) all that comes with it you know any little quirk that they have it's amazing the little little quirks and everything that come with it you know the, the 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 nice and cute ones, not the not the pain in the ass ones. <laughs> oh, oh well, yeah, of yeah. course, the ones that are kind of funny in their own way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but oh well, I I don't want to keep you too long, Jen. I'm sure you're busy. Uh, I really appreciate you doing this. It's been super helpful. Oh no problem. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. it's nice to it's nice to hear from other other families going through it as oh, well as a yeah, provider like and a parent. <laughs> no, it is. It's great because like you said before, everybody's different, but we've all gone through similar things, either even if it's just dealing with getting services and therapists and everything lined up, you know, there's yeah. something everybody can relate to. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem, Fred. Take care. All right. See ya. We can't forget the dad joke of the week, so here it is. How do you get a Kleenex to dance? You put a little boogie in it. That's all for this week, guys. Uh, if you want to connect with me, I'm on Instagram at the Spectrum Dad Pod. Uh, feel free to shoot me a DM. If you are interested in being on the show, I'd love to hear from you guys and hear your stories. So, talk to you next week.